In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. We have with us in studio the Hartel Dance Group. Woohoo! Woohoo! Who have a retrospective <laughs> coming up on November 6th and 7th. And they've also brought two lovely dancers from Brazil. So I'm just going to go down the line and have each of you introduce yourselves. Starting with you, Austin. I'm Austin Hartel. I'm Tirsa da Rosa from Paraguay. I'm Sibeli. I'm from Brazil. I am Regislaine. From Brazil, too. <laughs> that sounded fantastic. It did. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. This is, this is a treat to have you guys here with us. We're happy We're to be so here. We're so excited. This is our first podcast ever. This is your first podcast? Ever. This is going to be my first, I think, live dance performance to ever go to, because I am going. Thank you. We hope so. you come. Really? I Absolutely. Hope, no, you need hope to come. you all come. Yes. I, yeah, I, I definitely plan on being there. I was watching some of your videos on your on your website, and mm-hmm. yeah, this is something that they don't ever really get a whole lot of exposure to, or a lot of people really ever talk about, you know, going and seeing dance, at least in, you know, the circles that I run in, so. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to me, oh, that could open a whole can of beans there about, you know, going to see dance, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, modern dance, that style of dance that we are practicing with the dance company, modern dance nowadays, they call it contemporary dance. Right. Um, you know, that's had a strong crossover with performance art at times. Um, I don't really go to the performance art mm-hmm. side of it. I'm more in the modern dance, real like classical modern dance side of it. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the oldest purely American art forms. Okay. Like, American modern dance is called that American. because it's American modern dance and uh, grew uh, here in the United States and internationally, you know, people seek it out because we are the leaders in this art form right. internationally, but in the United States of America, people don't pay much attention to it. It's kind of like jazz music, okay. you know, jazz music, yeah. you go to Europe and jazz music is huge and American jazz musicians are playing all over Europe and Japan and Korea and places like that but here in the United States again there's this American art form that that was just on the outskirts of uh, well it's probably something along the lines of most people in America that when they think of dance or seeing live dance the first thing that they're always going to think of is ballet yes that's immediately where their brain's going to go so does does contemporary modern American dance include um, art forms from other things like ballet and other types of dance is it kind of is it Completely unique, or does it, it borrow from other stuff? I mean, I think nowadays everything borrows from everything. We're in a very, um, we're in a period in the world where there's a lot of crossover. I think it's in every art form, um, and so you're seeing there's kind of an amalgamation happening bet- into this 
thing that everybody's calling contemporary dance. Now, so you have contemporary ballet, and then you have contemporary modern, and then, you know, there's contemporary jazz. And, and there's um, modern dance. And then there's pure, like, modern dance based on the founders of tradition, and that would go back to, you know, Ruth St. Dennis, Dennis Sean, then into Martha Graham, Doris Humphrey, then to Jose Lamone, uh, Merce Cunningham, Paul Taylor, then... Alvin Nikolai kind of came out of Hanya Holm. I'm giving you a really quick dance history mm. here. But like, I mean, you know, so I, I'm good. I started way back early 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. And as I, as those names progressed, we went up in the timeline. Okay. Right. right? Towards about 1945 is the first concert that Paul Taylor and Merce Cunningham, they did a show together actually, which most people don't really, uh, Think about or remember, but anyway, and they both, you know, went and became giants in the field. One of them um, is still alive. Paul is still alive. Mm -hmm. He's still got his company in New York. Anyway, that in that period of time, it was very, you know, ballet was ballet and modern was modern, and there was no like thought of this contemporary dance. And I think, you know, we we as human beings like to label everything. Oh yeah. You know, so we're always looking right. to mm -hmm. label, right? We love Everybody, genres. We yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. So. So now they've classified this thing as contemporary dance, and it's a huge discussion in the dance mm. world as to what is contemporary dance. You know, and I mean, the bottom line is contemporary dance is whatever we're doing now. I mean, in this it's, period, because it's contemporary. It's time. It's in the timeline. It's the timeline. Oh, okay. Um, but there's a lot of crossover nowadays. There's a lot of ballet technique coming into the modern dance area, and then there's a lot of modern dance technique invading the classical ballet area. Well, and one of the, the descriptions that I've seen put on like modern dance and contemporary dance would be freestyle. Is one of the things that I've seen kind of used to describe <laughs> it. Yeah, I see you've made a face now. Well, okay, so then how do you feel that that describes it then? Obviously not well. <laughs> no, not well at all. I mean, because, but that's an area, I mean, I'm going to sound, well, I don't know how jaded I should sound about that, but, I mean, dance, you know, modern dance has technique, just like, you know, there's, there's technique behind it. You know, you have to, some of it is the same as classical ballet. I mean, you have to plie, which is bending your knees. You know, then you have to be able to straighten your legs. You have to be able to point your feet. Then in modern, you to to really dance modern dance and be informed as a technical dancer, I mean, you need to understand the contraction, which came from Martha Graham and mm -hmm. the concept of contraction and release. You also need to understand fall and recovery or tension and release, which are all from the Doris Humphrey line, right? And right, so those are then, you know, Merce Cunningham developed his own technique, which was an amalgam of that because he worked with Martha Graham and he was a ballet dancer. So there's, but, but there is technique to it. And there's a lot of free dance, or what they call release technique, and, and there's a lot of uh, incorporation of these, as we call it in dance, somatic practices, mm -hmm. um, which, are, uh, which are more therapeutic practices of movement, like the study of human movement, but from a more uh, deeply rooted therapeutic side, okay. like so people have study that to help treat people with illnesses really? and things like that. There's a whole area of dance that goes in that direction. And some of that has come into the performance art as well. Um, but I'm a classicist in that I think you have to have technique before you can release your technique. Gotcha. 
you know, I mean, you can't, in music, think about it, you can't just improv if you don't know how to play the notes. You have to know the rules to know how to break the rules. It, exactly. Yes. And then there's a lot of people, though, that think you could just break the rules. And so they're out there freestyling, okay. right, yeah. and breaking the rules, but they never understood the rules. Right. You know, like painting. Picasso could paint a picture of you that would look like a photograph. He was that good of an artist, right, that he could do that. But he chose to abstract his art form. And that okay. was an artistic choice, right? And, but then you could ask somebody nowadays that throws paint on the canvas and says that he's an artist because he intellectually can describe what he's doing, but does he really understand his art form from the degree of being able to paint Right. A, a photographic image, basically, of somebody, you know, a likeness. Now, I'm sure there are millions of artists that can do that, you know, and then they abstract it. But it's a choice, you know, that they make in the visual arts. And just like in dance, I think it should be a choice. You should be able to dance purely and cleanly in a technique. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, abstract it, throw it away, forget about it, break every rule. I mean, Merce Cunningham broke every rule. I think, right. I think after Merce, there's no rules to break. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so, do they know who Merce Cunningham is? Do you all know who Merce Cunningham is? I know, I know a little bit about him. Um, do you guys you know learn who Merce it in your history class. So one of the things that I remember about him um, is that, and I don't know why that stuck in my head, but his his partner was um, John Cage, yes. who's the famous okay. American musician that influenced a lot of music. You know, mm -hmm. you can even you know like. Apex Twin will even say that they're influenced by, by John Cage. But one of the things that I remember is that Merce and John Cage would both talk about how they would kind of um, organize their pieces based on the I Ching. Yes, that was one, one, one yeah. um, method that he used. Yeah. They would base it on, they would throw the I Ching and then base the choreography on that. Merce was really big in chance dance. Chance dance. Which is like that, you know, where okay. you have, you know, you you use the I Ching and it says, okay, we're going to do the dance in this order. Yeah. And these steps are going to be put together. He, um, along with John Cage, did a lot of work where John Cage would have, you know, six pieces of music and the company would rehearse to the different pieces of music, but they wouldn't know which piece of music they were going to play the night they got on stage to dance. Oh, wow. So they would walk out on stage and it would be a surprise to them what music they were dancing to. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very, and so hugely progressive in the world of dance because Merce felt that dance should stand on its own and that all the other art forms that came with it kind of did too. He really collaborated with a lot of great artists, mm -hmm. um, worked with Rob Rauschenberg a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know who Rob Rauschenberg was, a big artist in the 60s. Um, the Mylar guy? Yeah, he was the one who created the Mylar balloons when Mylar oh, first came out. Really? They did this piece, I'm pretty sure it was called Rainforest, and had these big Mylar silver balloons that wow. fell onto the stage and floated around. And um, He did a piece with John Jaspers, another famous artist, who was making a comment on a work by Duchamp, which is in the Philadelphia Museum, which when they shipped it, the glass cracked on it, and then mm -hmm. the museum wanted them to replace it, but... Duchamp thought, no, it should stay that way because that's just what happened and right. that's how the art is, right? So, <laughs> so you go, you go see it and it's got all this fractured glass still in the artwork. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. There was an, another thing that I read too where um, Radiohead credited John Cage with such influence that they actually did a collaboration with 
the Cunningham dance group, like yeah. back yes. in the early 2000s. And Merce choreographed it. Yeah, that was huge. Everybody was talking about, wow, he's, he's Merce's choreographing to Radiohead. <laughs> he's getting to hang out with Tommy York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a big conversation in the dance world. We all thought that was really cool. You know, that, that there's is. Merce Cunningham. He's going to choreograph to Radiohead. It's a good piece, too. I've, yeah, that's something that I, <laughs> when I found that out, I was like, I want to go find that and, and look it up and... Now, who is yeah. it that your retrospective that's coming up? Who is it that you're working with for the the music on that? Well, um, Aaron's band. I don't know. Wait, I'll find it. I was just looking that up earlier. It was um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. So when you're asking the foreigner to give you a name when is here. the show that's coming up? Medicine well, Brothers. The Medicine Brothers. Medicine Brothers. Medicine Brothers. Thank Medicine you, Brothers Billy. Is, is <laughs> yes, thank you. And um, no, yeah, we're going to be working. Medicine Brothers is going to play um, before the show mm -hmm. opens, and then they're going to play. Uh, well, we're working on this. We're going to see this week. We'll find out how they're possibly going to play one or two of the songs that we dance to, mm -hmm. um, and we're just going to see how that gels. We haven't been in, in the rehearsal space with the band yet at all, so. Okay. If I feel like it's not going to work, we'll just keep working with the recorded music. They will be playing, though, on a piece that we're doing called Pop Art, and there's two dance sections. This piece is talk about Merce Cunningham. Well, so, I mean, it's came out of, you know, I was just thinking about the whole 60s and anything goes, and, um, and then the idea, I've always had this idea um, to create artwork on stage by popping bubble wrap Really? Filled with paint. <laughs> Even better. And yeah. so um, so we did it a couple years ago, and it was hugely successful, and the audience loved it, and so we're going to bring it back. Nice. And um, there are two, two improvisational sections where the band's going to play, and we'll dance improvisationally, and we bring people out of the audience to come up and pop the bubble wrap, because, you know, everybody loves to pop Absolutely. bubble wrap. Right. I mean... <laughs> And people like interactive things too. Yeah, yes. So it kind of gets the audience involved in in it. And um, Medicine Brothers is going to play for that, uh, and then they'll play be playing after the show's over for a little bit. Um, play during intermission. So it's not like it'll be. In, I mean, you can hear a good band play. Mm -hmm. You can see some good dancing. You can see the band and the company work together. I think it's just going to be a really fun show. And so that's coming up. It's uh, going to be this Friday, November 6th, and November 7th. Yes. yes. At, Friday um, and Saturday night. At 8 p.m. at Oklahoma Contemporary, which is out at the fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. General Pershing Boulevard, it's yeah. called. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really sure where that name comes from, but I, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I, I was wondering <laughs> the same thing the other day. I was like, who is General who Pershing? Is this guy? I should look him up. I live here in Oklahoma. I'm sure he's... <laughs> Significant to the history of Oklahoma. I should figure out who General Pershing is. Significant to the history of the fairgrounds. Yes. Yes, at least to the fairgrounds, right? So. So uh, so, um, what are the prices for the tickets to get into the shows? Eighteen dollars if you buy them in advance online. Twenty dollars at the door, and then students I think are fifteen. Ten dollars online and fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars at the door. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Cash bar. Cash bar. And what website are those tickets available through? At hartelldancegroup.org, www.hartelldancegroup.org, H-A-R-T-E-L-D-A-N-C-E-G-R-O-U-P.O-R-G. Wow, that was Excellent. good. Excellent. Well done. That and then you guys also... There's the jingle for your dance company. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're on Twitter too. You're at Hartel Dance OKC on Twitter. Yes, yes. we are. And, and we have are... Instagram too, mm-hmm. Hartel Dance OKC. Tell them about your Facebook. international exchange here. Our international yes, exchange. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Like this yeah. is so. So th- we have, and we're really excited about this too. We have in the studio with us right now two dancers from Brazil who are here to work with a company, <laughs> and. Um, they're dancing some beautiful solos on the program and then dancing in the group work that we've staged. And uh, we're really excited to have them here. And then we have two dancers from Paraguay who are not with us at the moment, but they're going to be dancing a really beautiful duet on the program and dancing also in some of the group work. And so, yeah, the company's very international now. We have eight dancers, four of them from, from South America and four from here in the in Oklahoma area. Five. Five, five. So we have nine, dan- nine dancers? No. Yeah. We have eight. Well, we have Karen Boyd that's coming back. Right. And Cameron, Emily Oliver, Christy. You. Myself. That's five. And nine. Four. Nine. We have nine. Uh, I should know how many are in the company. <laughs> <laughs> Karen. I just choreographed the dances. <laughs> so this Sorry, is a I'm retrospective like, oh. of... Hartel Dance Group. Of Hartel Dance Group and kind of 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 Austin Hartel to a certain extent. I mean, we have um, work from the 90s, 2000s, and then 2000 and whatever's teens. (laughs) (laughs) Past the 2010. I mean, you know, I just, I'm having, I'm old. I have trouble with these 2000 numbers. (laughs) I keep writing 19-something on everything. That's a problem. That is a retrospective. It's a, very right, it's a retrospective. I mean, when I was a kid, we thought we were going to have flying cars by now, that we'd be flying through space like Star Trek. I think because of Back Time to the Future, travel. we were expecting those this year, too. Right. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get them. Yeah. Didn't and then, you know, the only <laughs> thing we got was, you know, our uh, Star Trek communicators in our pockets. Yep. You know, well, like this like, thing that like, he's got on his wrist right here with the uh, Apple Watch. Yeah, that you know, I mean, it's like, you know, the old flip phones were like, beam me up, Scotty, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, now, I miss that, those too. You know, those, yeah, those were fun. It was fun to just flip it over, right? <laughs> you know, carry it in your pocket, have one of those little side holsters for your phone, you know, and then you whip mm-hmm. it out. But <laughs> they even have those ones like from the, the Matrix where you just push a button on the side and it shoots open. And right, and you can jump in. Out. Yeah, right. right. We, the we need some, you know, now we've got like these advanced computers that we carry around with screens on them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, my first laptop, right? I got the first Apple laptop they ever came out with in 1990, I think it was, right? And uh, it, they were so proud that it had a 25 megahertz processor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, now that's laughable, right? I mean, it's so laughable. Your coffee pot now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right? 25 megahertz processor. I still have it. It turns on. It works. It comes up. It's a great paperweight. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit your process of of choreographing a dance? Um, I mean, like, for instance, like you can think of like, you know, writing music in terms of getting out your sheet music and, you know, making your notes. Like Mm -hmm. what's kind of your notation process or writing process for Choreography. Yes, tell us about that, please. <laughs> yeah. I would like to know how that works too. Divulge all your secrets. <laughs> we, will, we all want to know. I draw a lot of pictures. That makes sense. Um, when I mean, I don't. I write notes, but I don't necessarily. I mean, I have a big notebook of ideas somewhere. 
but most of it I just keep in my head. My head stores a lot of information mm-hmm. for me. I'm lucky that way when I can find it in there. That's but, a problem. Um, but generally it's in there. So I, uh, I mean, it depends on when I'm working. Like I created a solo for Regis Laney. Hedges Laney. Say it again. Where's Aiden? Aiden says it perfectly. <laughs> Aiden, come yeah, here. I'm st- I'm play your, okay. your eyes. Yeah, say, 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 say your name one more time. Hedges Laney. Hedges Laney. Hedges Laney. With that <laughs> tone. With that tone. Hedges Laney. Hedges Laney. And I, Corga, I was gonna restage a work on her. Um, then I, she got here, and I was just working with a student. I said, "No, I'm gonna make you a new dance." So. She has some very particular talents that other people don't have, and so I created this work for her that that okay. kind of showcases some of that. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive. It's not like you'll see. I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but but it uses what she has, a certain aspect of what she has, because okay. she has a huge. She's a really talented young lady. Let me just say that. Um, they all are. So is Sibeli, and Sibeli's dancing another solo that I think suits her really well. Um, but when I make work, you know, a lot of times I try to make work that showcases the dancers that I'm working with at the time. Because as a choreographer, as much as I have an idea in my head, I can have a pure idea in my head, but I think part of our job as choreographers, and probably different than writing music, is that... Um, I have to work with the talent that I have in the room. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I've always felt is that I can make my dance any way I want, but if the dancers can't dance it, then I'm creating a disservice, not just to myself, but also to them right. and to the audience. And uh, I really, that's another thing I think about a lot is that you know it's a performance art and there's an audience and you cannot ignore the fact that there's gonna be an audience seeing your work. I'm not a type of choreographer or creative artist who thinks that I'm just going to create this work because, you know, intellectually, conceptually, that's what I want to do and I'm not going to worry about anybody else. Um, so, anyway, so I'll, I'll create work when I'm creating new work and a lot of times it is very influenced by the dancers I have to work with. Right, cool. So, um, so you guys have been practicing the stuff that he's been working on this week then? Or is that, that that's what you're starting on tomorrow? Is it We've been practicing for six, five weeks. Six weeks with them. Seis semanas. Seis semanas. Seis semanas or cinco semanas hasta este momento? ¿Cuándo vinieron? Five. Cinco semanas. Sí. For five weeks we've been rehearsing. So, which is... You know, and sometimes I think it's not enough time, and then other times, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's it's a lot of time. Is this your first time to come to the United States to dance? Yeah. Have you liked your experience here so far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first experience in States. Uh, I love it, <laughs> but um, I have learned very things. You have learned a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She came without speaking any English. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yes. So yeah. in five weeks, you're, this is where you're at? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're like, yeah, keep going. 
Sibeli keeps helping her. Yes. yes. I mean, we do too, <laughs> but because... my teacher. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can speak English just a little. You speak very well. You speak very well, your English. You're good. good. You guys are great. So you guys been practicing, been spending more of your time practicing down in Norman? Because you're also a professor at OU, right? Yes, I do. I teach at the University of Oklahoma, but we practice. We're very... Uh, lucky at the moment and um, to have space. We're practicing at the at Oklahoma City Ballet Studios. Okay. Uh, they work during the day and because of my job at the University of Oklahoma during the day, we, we rehearse in the evenings. We start at seven o'clock at night. We've been rehearsing from seven to 10 or 10.30, uh, four nights a week and on Sundays, which Sundays we work in the afternoons. We'll start today around three o'clock. Um, but yeah, I can't use the space at the University of Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, that's end of story. End of yeah. story. Yeah. Sorry. Do you want to know more about it? No, that's not for the no. okay. podcast. Okay, so for we don't open discussion to. just yeah. yet. <laughs> the end. Okay. So well, have you introduced them to uh, in, to any of your students? Oh, they take. They've been taking class every oh, day, okay. two or three classes a day at the university, and which awesome. has been great. So you've been getting to experience Norman, Oklahoma, and the University of Oklahoma campus. Yes. Yeah. When we got lost, we could walk all over the university. <laughs> and they're like this, like, "There's Wi-Fi here. Where are we?" And they will take a picture of it. You need to turn to the left. Go back to the university. It's great. Um, they went trick or treat. We went trick or treating. You went trick or treating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we were supposed to what, what, Did yes. you dress up in costume? Oh yeah. What'd it you was guys? our first Halloween. It was exciting and everything. Mm-hmm. What was your costume? Ah, I I take a dress and because of my hair, I I called myself like a rebuild princess. Nice. <laughs> my hair is a mess. It is Lenny. ¿Cuál era tu costume anoche? I don't know uh, because uh, I was dressed uh-huh. in. Uh, a witch, she had a witch's hat. She had a witch hat, hat and a green <laughs> wig. It was awesome. Yeah. Green hair and. Yeah. Like a witch. Like a witch. Very cool. <laughs> Did you get a lot of candy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of. <laughs> It's my 11 year old that hit in the line, Transformer, and all the dancers behind him. It was so awesome. It was great. It was definitely a cultural experience that they, we knew they had had to have that cultural experience. Absolutely. And then um, today, if we have time, if we get finished in time, we're going to try to head down to the Plaza District because they're doing the Day Day of the the Dead. dead. That's right. Right? With the the, the skeleton, skeleton the faces. Katrina faces. I totally forgot about that. Well, we yes. should move back should go to that. that, too. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We're going to try to make it, but it starts, I guess, now at 1, mm-hmm. and it goes till 7. Yeah. And we start so, rehearsing at 3. So, so, um, we'll so besides it. this retrospective, like how many performances do you guys put on in a year? In a year? Um, with Hartel Dancing, but really varies. I mean, at one point we were very active. and We had know, a very stable group of we dancers. We had a stable group of dancers, and right now it's we're in flux. and uh, I mean, that's one of the things that's um, hard to uh, 
it's hard to do here in Oklahoma City is to have really a pickup dance company, which is what we are really, I mean, because we don't have the finances or the means to hire dancers year for round. a contract we'll or year round. We would love to. We would love to, but that hasn't like happened for us yet. And it's hard to break into that world here in Oklahoma City because everybody's used to giving to the ballet and to the mm-hmm, lyric true. theater and the orchestra, you know, like those are these concrete entities that have been right. around for 40 years or more. And um, you bring something in new that's a little bit different or pushes people's buttons sometimes in a different way. And uh, Yeah, and, uh, we push buttons. It's been hard to develop that type of base. So we're a pickup dance company. In New York City, I had a company there for 10 years. And, I mean, that company, we worked about 36 weeks out of the year or not. And, wow. Um, but there, you know, I would contract dancers in depending upon the gig, right? And we had a stable group, like a kind of a core of, you know, four dancers that it would work with and then bring different people in. And, um, you know, New York City, there's just a huge, huge pool of professional modern dancers to draw from. And in Oklahoma City, that pool is about zero. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, know, but that's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like how, it's like, here we go. I mean, you know, how, like, to be real about it, you know, there's a lot of talk in Oklahoma City about you know how the cultural environment is growing and growing and growing, but in the, in the area of dance, you know, that's not really happening. What are they looking at when they evaluate that? I have no idea. I mean, there's a lot of visual artists here, but it's easy to be a visual yeah. artist. You just need a studio. You know, what I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to be that right. artist, but as far as your space requirements, yeah, you know, you can do that in a room if you need to in, well, in a house. But that's interesting kind of you bring that up because. Yeah. We've actually had conversations with local visual artists about the lack of those spaces and how we've got all these old properties and people are starting to buy up and develop all this yes. stuff. And they're looking at, you know, better things than we've ever had here, local businesses, art shops, galleries. But a lot of it has gone into co-working from like an entrepreneurial thing. Like come here, Oklahoma City is being known as a startup Central, like yes. Yes. come start a small business here and all that. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of effort has been put into co-working spaces for that kind of a deal, but not so much for the arts. There's not um, artistic working spaces readily no. available, and we know a handful of visual artists that are struggling sometimes to find those spots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even though they're that's booming, they're still. It's like nobody, nobody who's buying these buildings and these property and developing them are developing them with that in mind. Yes. And, and they want that culture, but. We're yeah, not building the infrastructure that's, to support That's what I ask. Yeah. Is that it's a cultural environment, and I'm like, how are they measuring that? What is yeah. their measuring? The amount and of people that go to the ballet and the amount of people that go to the symphony, yeah. which is great. I'm very happy that people are doing that, but there's something more. Yeah. There's something else. But but that's where, you know, and where you say, like, there's the spaces and there's not a support for that infrastructure. And, you know, it again, it's the... I feel like the city in a certain way, and this I would probably mean even the city government, right, has to make a decision in that in that way also because, you know, and everybody hates these words, you know, and who I'm going to, you know, but like New York City has one of the most vibrant cultural environments in the world, but all of their art spaces are subsidized. Right. I, I mean, know. they're, they're, they're subs- like, I can produce a concert in New York is. City for less money than I can produce a concert in Oklahoma City as right. a dancer. I can find rehearsal space. I can rent a theater. I can get the New York, you know, the, the time, all the, the 
papers to come. The publications. To, right. to, to review the work. And the cost is a fraction of what it costs to do that same kind of work here in Oklahoma City. Yep. So if you want to create an artistic environment, you have to create a place where those artists can create. You right. know, if I was a young artist and I said, oh, I know the cost of living in New York is way more than Oklahoma City, but the cost of creating my, my art is less, right? See, and that's the interesting thing that you don't hear a lot, because we do hear that a lot about Oklahoma City being cost of living here is so small that you can move here. But again, like you're saying, for, for the creative community, the resources that offset that yeah. in a place like New York City are different. So for a startup company, oh, I come here and buy a cheap house, but get a cheap office space, get started, might pay my hundred bucks to the Secretary of State, and I'd be a company and all this other stuff. But for an artist, it's like I still have to spend a thousand dollars a month to rent a studio space because yeah. there's not that support. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there are organizations, and there are definitely people around here looking at that. Like you mentioned, you guys are doing your show at Oklahoma Contemporary. Yes, you know, and that's the only environment. That that's is the, the one environment place. that that is um, that it's affordable. Right. Their small theater is actually affordable for non-for-profit organizations to to create and produce work. Um, but you go to any one of the bigger spaces here and it's... Uh, yeah. Well, and then they're getting ready to build their new campus. Yes. Which is... I, I'm so excited about it's that. It's going to be so beautiful. I mean... I'm so excited and I, about I'm that. I'm hoping... I mean, I've heard that they're going to build a theater in there. Yeah, there's supposed to be a black theater. box theater yes. space inside the building. And, and I'm hoping that remains... Open. Still in well in the in the affordable arena yeah. for smaller groups and and up and coming artists to produce work. Yeah. Well, and it seems like from what they're already doing, and then what I've seen of renderings and discussions about that, that that's the goal is to establish this hub of sort of like you're saying, sort of not really, but sort of subsidized mm -hmm. yes. artistic space with mm -hmm. galleries and theaters. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they're even going to be supporting what are being known, you know, the industrial arts, pottery and mm -hmm. woodworking mm -hmm. and modeling and things like that. So, I mean, they're hopefully that will help. I just, so this is just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, cultural environments, you know, as far are like, it's interesting. I mean, I'm just going to throw a fact out here that came, this is about a three-year-old fact, but I think it still holds true. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... The city of Berlin, Germany, right? Which is probably one of the most culturally vibrant cities in the world right now, right? The city, their budget that they give to the arts is $1 billion a year. Oh, seriously? Seriously. The city. The, the city. city. Not the government, not the country of Germany. The city of Berlin subsidizes or, or has grants and things for artists from in every art form, visual arts, dance, music, That's everything. A billion. A billion That's dollars a year. Yeah. The 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 NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts budget is something like three hundred and seventy-four million dollars, maybe a little bit more a year for the whole country. Of Germany? No, of the United States oh, of America. The United States. Of the United States of America. So the entire country's Budget, budget is one third of the city, city of Berlin. That's crazy. You know, and that actually, something that's popped <laughs> wow. up in the news recently is this new announcement that we're going to spend $900 million <laughs> on, more roads. on more interstates, which we're then going to pay to drive on. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, we're going to pay tolls for that, huh? Right. Yeah. So we're, we're going to fund it as a state to build it all, but then we're going to pay tolls as citizens to drive. So basically, it's maybe something along the lines of double taxation there. Yeah. And we're going to do that here in, in Oklahoma. Yeah. Which, you know, Oklahoma has the, the most toll roads in the country. Right. For well, what's really, <laughs> it's not hilarious. It's actually very disheartening. I saw this oh, no. article come up underneath, right above, literally on my, my Facebook feed or something. Yeah. That article was announced, $900 million on new roads, right above an article that was talking about how over the last four years we've cut over $200 million out of education. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the arts is the first thing that gets Absolutely. cut. Absolutely. Right. Every and time. it's like, well, wait a minute, we can't find $200 million to put into the schools, but right. we can find a billion to build roads to, to reduce congestion. Uh-huh. It's like... I'm, we don't really have congestion. Yeah, Go to don't. Los Angeles or or Houston, Texas, or New York City That's if you congestion. want to see congestion. Yeah, I mean, there's the traffic here is infinitesimal. I mean, yeah. there's it's, it's not a real problem. No, no. and so it's it's. It, it but it you, kills me, you know. Well, you know, but we cut into education because we're really happy at being ranked 48th in the nation. Right. We want to hold oh. on to that spot. Yes. Oh man. You know, it's, it's like, it's like you know, move. Oklahoma's proud of being number 48. I mean, instead of number one or two in education nationwide, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry no, this is, a, this is a common topic here. But, you know, really? it's like it just blows me away that, you know, that, that, that. And here we were supposed to have this lottery that gains all this money right. that's supposed to go into funding education. Where's that money going? Right. Where is that $300, $400 million a year they're making on the lottery? Or are they only using that for education and then they've cut away all the other funding they're giving? I know, I'm really sorry. I, I, it's no, a, you're can, totally fine. I mean, it's a topic that I get very passionate right. about. Well, and like, I, and I'm, you know, I'm not even just talking higher education. I'm talking about kindergarten, yeah. you know, high that school. Education. That education. 11-year-old education. Well, like said, the arts are always the first thing to get cut. So as we defund education, the first thing they're cutting is the arts education. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is then feeding into, like you're saying, there are no, there's not a pool of modern dancers here to pull from because we're not teaching anybody how no, to be and dancers. The, dancers and, and the, and the and people artists. that comes to the university mm -hmm. who are your students that you teach for four years and they become beautiful dancers, they don't want to stay right. because there's nowhere for them to go. Or some of them would like to stay in Oklahoma, but there's, but there's really nothing, there's no reason for them to stay as an artist. Right. Right. And then... Um, um, Oh, I lost, lost my thought. It. We were talking about education and cutting yeah. the arts. Oh, but it's interesting to me, though. Just recently, I was looking at um, Classen High School for the Advanced Arts and Sciences, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm thinking of trying to send my son next year. I mean, we will move to Oklahoma City so he can go to that school if possible. So here's a school that combines arts and sciences, and they have the highest ATC scores in the state. Right. Hi, so don't you think that the rest of the state might look at that and look at the importance of keeping the arts in education statewide? Because here there's a school that's focused on that from sixth grade through, you know, end of high school, and they're achieving the highest ACT scores in the in the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean that that correlation has been proven countless times on scales all over. It's probably part of the reason cities like Berlin decided, hey, let's dump a billion dollars into arts because mm -hmm. we know that's going to improve everything. It's everything. going to improve test scores. It's going to improve critical thinking. It's going to improve people's physical. I mean, you know, another problem we have in Oklahoma is people being out of shape, out of shape. Ob yes. obese. obesity, yeah. and things like walking and riding your bike or dancing or moving aren't mm -hmm. given as much priority over 
get in your car and drive to the city or yeah. drive the three blocks down the street to the grocery right. store. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and so we put the money into the things that are counteracting those. Uh, counteracting all of those other things, yeah. No, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk with the MAPS program about creating a walking city. You know, like, there, I know there was, um, they brought different people in to talk to the city government about, you know, creating this downtown area that is more um, walkable, you know, yeah. and, and more livable in, you know, to bring, you know, apartments and housing back into the, into the core uh, part of the city. And I see a lot of that going on. I mean, there's a lot of housing projects just right up here, you know. Is there a grocery store? Off of Broadway, but there's not a, gr- but no. there's no, but there's no, no grocery store. store. <laughs> right. So how I mean, can you, how can you have, get like, in your car you can build, you know, you can mm-hmm. build 500 apartments and another 500 apartments, but you have to drive five miles to get to the grocery store. Yeah, I mean, we live, the three of us live up off of 23rd Street in that mm-hmm. area of Heritage Hills, Mesa Park, Paseo. Yes. It's one of the most densely populated urban neighborhoods that's sort of in mm-hmm. the core right now. Yeah. And there's one crappy grocery store that right. nobody goes to. That homeland the over homeland. there, yeah. right off of 16th Street, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. 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 it smells right. like something just got done burning. Inside. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and it's the worst thing. And the closest thing to a decent grocery store in this whole area right now is the little Native Roots Market that's right here. in yeah. the corner yes. of yeah. the level apartment. But I mean, it's but it's basically a corner store. It's yeah. not even a. It's a like a whole, bodega. I mean, right. it's like you know, it's like, really great stuff there, but it's. It yeah. can't support a whole no. city. Like. And that's one thing I keep saying kind of to people, you know, like if you like if you want to create that urban walking environment, you know, you have to create the environment where you walk out of your apartment. I mean, where you know, and you, there's a grocery store, there's some little bodegas, there's a laundry place if you don't have laundry in your own apartment, you coffee can go shop. wash there's a couple mm-hmm. of coffee shops, there's some restaurants, all within like a four or five block radius. And then right. you live in another little four and you've got the same thing. Right. And it's like People, that seems like that's a, I don't know, I just think if you're going to put so many people in that area, I would choose to walk out and walk a block to the grocery store instead of get in my car and drive 10 blocks or three right. miles to go to, you know, Sprouts, or which is way up on 63rd Street, and right. or isn't it 63rd and, yeah, and May, right? It's almost kind of the same as watching areas like northwest of Edmond that you know, start having this urban sprawl and they build all of these neighborhoods that are right off these little two-lane roads. So they bring mm-hmm. in all these people and then once they do that, then they start widening the roads. Mm-hmm. So once you want to have a little bit of forethought, Foresight. get that done first right. before you put in all the apartments, bring in a grocery store, and then bring in the people to live around it. It mm-hmm. almost happens kind of backwards, it seems like. Yeah, well, and that just depends on who's driving the development, right? If the developers of housing are driving the development, they're just going to keep developing houses because that's you know, it's mm-hmm. what they do. They're yeah. not really concerned about developing functional neighborhoods. They're just developing houses to sell to people for people to get in them. And then they go buy up another hunk of yeah. 100 acres somewhere else and pass the zoning and develop more houses. Yeah. I'm only interested in the I'm just, day. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm just speaking for, I, I, no, I, I, mean, I could be totally wrong about that because I, I'm not buying hundreds of acres and developing houses. I, I mean, I really... Don't know, but it seems like that's a lot of experience. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you know, a local development company on Twenty Third uh, Land Run Commercial mm-hmm. has been—they did the rise and all, a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff. And so they recently acquired the Gold Dome and put out that call to people, and we're like, "Anybody have an idea for what we should do with the Gold Dome?" And like almost unanimously, it exploded. Everyone was like, "Grocery store!" 
like wow. please really? store that's there. That's such a great location. Right. Well, but there's I mean, that great Asian grocery store right oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Super there. Cow Inn, yeah. Man. That's where we shop. We shop yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show. I mean, I think, and ultimately, you know, wrapping that back around what we're saying is we're doing a lot of things right in Oklahoma City, but yeah. we've got we've got people that love the arts. we just now got to figure out how as a city in a to community to really... Like, What's put that the, infrastructure What's in the name of yeah. the basketball player that didn't come to Oklahoma? Oh, I was watching a, a documentary. It was on um, Kevin Durant, and it was like following around for the summer, like in between, right? And it was the year they were trying to recruit Paul Casal to come from the Lakers. Mm. Okay. And, uh, and in it, it's just really interesting. Kevin Durant, he's on the phone, and he's talking, and he was talking to him, right? And he hangs up the phone, and he says, you know, I don't think he's going to come here because he said we don't have a really good ballet company, and we don't really have a really good opera company. He says he, he wants all those arts and cultural things in Oklahoma City he, he doesn't have. Because he right. goes to them. Because he's from Spain. And in Spain, uh, people uh. grow up, and they go, you know, it doesn't right. matter. At, you know, here, there's this, it's interesting to me that we... Also, within education, right, starting in... The, we have this huge separation between... Athletes and, and the, the arts. Right. You know, like, and that somehow w- there's this mental concept, like, our, that the athletes aren't artistic or may not appreciate the arts, but well, they the will only appreciate, or the athletes. athletes, artists aren't athletes, or vice versa, right? right. But, but, you know, if we had more of that integration from kindergarten on up, right, where students were being, you know, educated in all of those things they would develop an appreciation for both i mean the arts would have more maybe more of appreciation for the athletes and the athletes would have more appreciation for the arts mm-hmm. because they would have been learning those things as they go and not so kind of separated out from each other well that was like a trope i think in the 90s and some of the, like there was a bunch of like the football movies and the mighty die and all these little sports comedy family movies mm-hmm. and there was like a a little recurring gag in them that they would send the football players into ballet classes yes. mm-hmm. because it taught them better balance. Right. It taught them mm-hmm. more agility. It, it, more and coordination. Then I think and later in the movie it even works out because one of the football players like does a plie to avoid a tackle or something like that. Right. Yeah. And so it was almost, it was a, treated as a joke, but the reality is that's, I mean, would, I think I actually would, heard real stories of that, of people sending, like, yes, no, you guys yes. are going to go and huh? take I mean, dance uh, fundamentals M-M-A. because mm-hmm. yes. I can't stand I mean, my, my father back in the 1950s was, uh, he played football in college. He was the quarterback for his college football team. And uh, they had to go take dance class. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, that I, well, I think... Cool. God, in a lot of ways, that my dad went to dance class a little bit when he was in college. Because when I started dancing, you know, he was, you know, he was okay with it, right? He understood, it. he understood it, right? Because he'd been he took two semesters of ballet, right, and then he took a semester of modern dance, you know. And they made the football team take the dance classes. And he said, you know, oh, you know, we went up there and we were all these jocks and we thought we were so tough, you know. And we got into ballet class. He said, let me tell you, after the first day of class, we could barely walk down the stairs, <laughs> you know. But that's and, and, and that's an interesting point you bring up because you're, you know, two generations ago or whatever, your dad was exposed to that. So mm-hmm. when you showed interest, he accepted it, and now here we are later, and you've got a dance group in Oklahoma City, and like, yeah. so I mean, if we just had those little bits of injection yes. into mm-hmm. this culture, it would in just a generation or two, we'd have we'd have exponentially mo- more yes more right. arts and culture and culture yes, but well. Thank you guys for joining us. 
Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for getting off into the conversation. Yeah, that was fantastic. Okay, I got one thing to ask people. What's that? All right. Um, so you two things. Um, one, well, never mind. But anyway, the other thing is, are there is there like a burger is there like a burger joint close here? <laughs> there are a number of there are some joints. great so burger joints here. Because I'm starving right now. Okay, it's a burger. In fact, literally, there's a place called S and B Burger Joint. Yes. yes. I just saw on Twitter yeah. their November the special is. Uh, yeah, we're just, just looking at their special. We have thirty minutes. We have thirty minutes until rehearsal, Aiden. Yes. So <laughs> they have a special, an SMB special today. Macaroni and cheese and chili <gasps> and. Uh, oh, no, it's <laughs> macaroni the return of the and cheese. The return of the Mac. The return of the Mac. They're having that right now. Yes. Yeah. November. All of November. Oh, we started. It's macaroni Yay. on a, on a hamburger. It's it's a burger, macaroni and cheese, spicy chili, and a fried egg. It's a heart attack bun. Can you actually eat yeah. it like by biting into it? Yeah, you have to find out. I don't know. It's decided. I'm gonna go over to the burger joint. I guess. Okay, it's thank you, Aiden. I'm glad that you came up with that. So we got a little plug out there for S and There we go. There you go. <laughs> Come to the there show next so weekend. So again, Hartel Dance Group no. retrospective. November 6th and 7th at 8 p.m. HartelDanceGroup.org. Yes. Buy your tickets online now. You guys have tickets here? Oh, really? You brought us tickets? Yes, we did. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yes. And Sabelian, do you have to say your name again? Hedges Lanny. Hedges Thank you, Aiden. so good. Thank you, Thank you guys for joining us. He's very good. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. One of our favorite adventures is the Escape OKC. Wafty listeners get an exclusive discount when they use the coupon code listen to wafty That's listen the number 2 W-A-F-T-I. Visit theescapeokc.com and book your room now. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on soundcloud.com slash show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see you next week. week. You get the whiskey, baby. I'll get the wine now, baby.